0: So, if you have a Bible, um, please turn with me to Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, please. Uh, we're going to be looking at, uh, uh, continuing to look at a very interesting passage. Um, I think uh, it's, uh, it's helpful for us to, um, uh, to, to see the passage from its uh, whole perspective. So, we will look at the first 12 verses, we'll just read all 12 verses together. as a unit so revelation chapter 12 verses 1 through 12 and when you have found that place i am going to ask that um, you stand with me as we honor the ring of god's holy and written word and we will just be focusing on verses 6 through 12 but uh beginning in romans cha- or revelation excuse me chapter 12 beginning in verse 1 this is the word of the lord given to us tonight and there appeared a great wonder in heaven a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars and she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head upon his heads, excuse me, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. And did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared of God, that she that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. And there was in war. There was a war in, he- or excuse me, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought it and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And a great, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives to death. And therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to you, the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time let's pray father as we take up your word we thank you for it and uh, God we are thankful that you are filled with grace in giving us uh, this word of yours this even this book of revelation Uh, God we thank you for it we pray that you would give us wisdom now help us to think clearly about all these things and we ask this in Jesus name amen so to perhaps to show you the complexity of this book. Uh, I, 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 um, I have listened and read and uh, have, have, uh, have uh, researched and um, you'll be happy to know that nobody seems to agree. Um, so I will just throw my hat into the ring as far as what's going on here in Revelation chapter 12. It is a it is a great time, but I think uh, it's a a great time in the sense of uh, it is a it is a it is a time in which there is much movement going on. And so this evening I have titled uh, the sermon War in Heaven because we're focusing on verses uh, 6 through 12 here in chapter 12. And I would simply say this as we start, I would say that God's eternal plan for his people cannot and will never be um, will never be thwarted. Uh, God, has, God has linked his people to himself um, throughout the ages and God will ever be faithful. God will ever be faithful to us. God will forever be faithful uh, to his people and he will, he will bless us and help us as we face hard and dark times. Uh, as I've said before, I think this has great implication for, uh, for ethnic Israel as well. Uh, there, is, uh, there, there are I think a great many things here in our text um, that uh, that reveal themselves to us um, concerning um, ethnic Israel and, and those to whom God has elected from among them, uh, even for the, the the what would be known as the latter days and it 's interesting because the last time we were together we looked at and we talked about this woman and the beast, the, the, the dragon, and we talked about the child. And, and, and I don't think there's any doubt as to uh, the identity of the child being Jesus, obviously, uh, the, uh, the, the dragon, and with all of his powerful uh, might uh, being, being Satan, right? Because that's just what the text tells us. It, it, he, is, he is Satan, the devil, the accuser of the brethren. He is the, 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 uh, the serpent of old who was in the garden with Adam and Eve. And I think that uh, I believe it is my firm assertion that 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 this woman it, it does stand for the Israel of God that, that is that this is this this character uh, that uh, um, that the woman is uh, and is standing for is the Israel of God, as Paul would say in, in Romans chapter chapter nine through eleven and so I, I don't think we can we can excuse Uh, we can miss this or we should miss this because it all builds from there because from there we see that the male child after the male child is delivered Christ is delivered right Uh, John just sort of very quickly passes over Jesus's earthly ministry he passes over very quickly uh, the work of uh, the work of Christ and his resurrection and just goes directly to uh, his birth and then his 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 ascension into heaven his victory over the dragon and as a result, then there is uh, this woman that then again comes into comes into our view, and it says here in verse six that she f- was she fled into uh, into the wilderness, um, and which gave rise to a war in heaven. So there's all kinds of things going on here, and all kinds of. I will just let you know there there are there there are as many opinions on this as there are people. Okay. So we've got to be careful not to be too dogmatic about, about this, but I will say this, that, um, that what I am going to present to you is my firm convictions. If you come to other convictions, please feel free to do so, and if you want to talk about it, we can feel free to do so. But with that stated... Let me say this. There, I think, are no, uh, there's no uh, contention as to what exactly is going on. Uh, first is the, is the result of the woman, uh, after the woman's uh, fleeing into the wilderness to be taken care of by God there. there was a, there's a war that breaks out in heaven. I don't think there's any contention there. Uh, when this happens and at what time this happened or will happen, no one seems to agree on uh, it is my con- it is my uh, firm belief, based on the text, that this is still yet a thing to happen. Uh, I know a lot of pastors, a lot of people put this at the time of Christ's resurrection and ascension into heaven, but I think there's some key issues with seeing that this war of heaven has already taken place, being uh, in the song that is sung here in Revelation chapter 12, where it talks about uh, the 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 war that has taken place being in the being in the the past tense, uh, and yet also talking about being in the there's a there's a there's a sense in which it's also happening or there happens to be something going on, and so um, whatever else can be said, the, the issue is. That God wants us to know that as mighty as the dragon is, and whenever this takes place, God is sovereign over the the the, the handiwork of Satan and the, the 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 opposition of Satan. That is, that nobody can overcome God. No one can overcome the the, the with any uh, um, with any power or any any being can overcome God in any way, shape, or form. Um, the way that you and I look at this, we need to. I think it will help us. Uh, again, I think the issue here is as we look at this text, we must see the uh, the power and authority of God at work. I think that's the central issue here. It's not necessarily when or 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 anything else, but the issue, the core issue here is that our God is sovereign over all things, including Satan and his desire to try to conquer the Lord and trying to conquer um, trying to conquer uh, and overcome God's people. Satan cannot, will not, and will never be able to overcome God and his people. And this is represented here by Michael, the archangel. It's interesting here that Michael. Michael doesn't appear a whole lot here. He appears here. He appears in Jude and maybe maybe a couple other places, but he does in fact uh, he is seen here as the as the leader of an angelic host that is sent forth to fight the dragon and his angels that seem to have invaded um, not the not the heaven of God's presence. But, but a certain portion in which God has allowed Satan and his, his angels to invade. And Michael, in such, as the guardian of the nation of Israel, thwarts the devil, he thwarts the plans of Satan, and, and thwarts the attack of Satan against, uh, against God and his power and his sovereign rule. He makes a full frontal attack, and yet he is cast out in the end. Brothers and sisters, I think that at least for us, there is great parallel here that we should give rise to the reality that, you know what, Satan is powerful. He, he is a powerful being. He is a powerful foe. There is no doubt about this. Um, it was introduced when, in the description of the devil earlier when he talks about that he is a great red dragon. Satan being the great Red dragon, meaning that he is red from stained with the blood of all the saints of God, he is a, he is a murderer, as Jesus said from the beginning. He was a murderer He, he murders people he murdered he 's murdered the saints of God throughout the ages and is stained red from this he 's able to to draw down a third of the angels. With him, the stars being the angels, he's able to, to he's allowed to wage a frontal attack upon uh, upon the armies of God. He, he is doing all of this and with great power he has, he has seven heads, uh, ten horns and seven crowns representing that he is very powerful and yet in all of this, for us, whether we are in the first century reading this or we are in the 21st century reading this, the, the emphasis is the same. There is not now, nor has there ever been a time in which Satan can overcome God. There is not now, nor will there ever be a time in which God is in danger of losing. In which God will not handle the enemies of God fully and completely. God is never in danger of losing to Satan. And I I fear that this is what has happened so many times in in the world I know in the world, and I feel like maybe perhaps even in the church, there are those who, who think of Satan as as, uh, as as an equal to God. Like God is on one side and he's powerful, but then you have Satan on the other side and he's powerful. But but don't miss this. Our text before us is very plain and it's very clear. You have God on one side and he is all powerful. And then you have Satan on one side and while he is powerful, he most certainly is not all-powerful. And he certainly, while he is able and allowed to, to make war against the saints and allowed to, to stain his body with, the, with their blood and his violence against them, he cannot, will not, and will never overcome God and his Christ. He cannot unseat the Christ, our Messiah. And it's interesting that it is interesting that as we, we see Michael here waging a war, it is, it is different than the last time that he battles Satan, at least what we're told. Because in the book of Jude, Michael here takes, a, takes a somewhat of a humble position, and when he's battling Satan, he simply says, the Lord rebuke you, right? But here there is no such thing. Here, Michael uh, arrayed in arrayed in, in his angelic in all of his angelic sense, along with the angels of God, are waging war with with Satan and his angels. And here he he makes a a full uh, attack upon Satan to defend uh, to defend uh, uh, heaven against uh, against Satan and the people of God against Satan. And it's an, it's an amazing thing because he does appear, Michael does appear in Daniel chapter 10 and chapter 12 as well uh, in the Old Testament. But this, this, this serpent, this slanderer, as we'll see here in just a moment, this dragon, it's amazing that Satan's 24 hour a day job is described in this passage of Scripture, isn't it? What is he said to be? The accuser of our brothers, the accuser of the brethren. It's something Satan loves to do. It's interesting that when you, take back, and when you take a look back at Job, Satan, Satan accuses Job. But who started, who started the conversation? If you think it's Satan, you need to go back and read the book of Job. God asks Satan, Satan, where have you come from? Where have you been? Satan says, well, I've been walking back and forth and to and fro in the earth. And Satan doesn't then say, hey, by the way, I've taken notice of this guy named Job. No, no, no. God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's a righteous man. He's not done anything evil. Have you considered him? And Satan says, well, you know what? That's a good idea, God. And Satan loves to accuse the brethren. As a matter of fact, that's that's the very next thing that he does after God says, have you considered my servant Job? He begins to slander Job to the Lord. He begins to accuse Job before the Lord. And this seems to be his job day and night as a prosecutorial attorney, accusing the the brethren, reminding, trying to remind God of all of our faults and failures. And yet in the work of Christ, there is a sense in which he has already, his accusatory work has already failed. And yet his 24 hour a job, 24 hour a day job is described. He tries to constantly uh, accuse us and we shouldn't be deceived in any way by the dragon. Um, and, and it's amazing um, because dragons, uh, dragons are always presented throughout history as powerful creatures. They're always presented as powerful creatures. As a matter of fact there's a constellation and uh, the, the dragon in, in our constellations. and, and it 's it's an amazing thing, and yet in the midst of all of this, God says that there is nothing and no one who can overcome him because the whole battle is pictured as one constant narrative, as a constant verb that's going on. It's like this is something that's constantly going on, constantly happening, constantly, uh, constantly working itself out. And yet, do you notice what Satan doesn't have the power to do? He doesn't have the power to overcome God's armies. He may be allowed to overcome the saints of God and trample upon them, but he will never be able to overcome the forces of Christ, the forces of our Father. And then he says that there is coming a point in time when the dragon is going to be cast out and it's going to be cast to the earth. As a matter of fact, it says that woe to the earth when this happens. uh, They celebrate in heaven, but there is a woe to the earth. But notice Satan steps down into judgment there. It's very clear, I think, from our text. Satan steps down into judgment. Like going down a staircase, he is stepping down into, into judgment. First, he was cast down and cast out of his original place. Ezekiel 28, 14 through 16. Satan was cast out of his original place. What was Satan? Satan was a Satan, was, Satan Lucifer was, a, was, a, was in fact, a, a, a beautiful being. He was a, a beautiful creature. Uh, that, a uh, matter of fact, um, he was, uh, many believe and speculate, I tend to believe this, he was uh, one of the archangels, and, and in his particular job seems to have been to lead in the worship of God, to, sing, uh, the, uh, to lead the angels in the procession of God's praises. This seems to have been his job. It seems that that this, this this angel, who was in fact, according to Ezekiel, the most beautiful angel of all created angels, then plots an insurrection. He who should have been leading, he who was leading and should have been leading the worship of God now becomes the insurrectionist and wants to be worshipped. He wants to be honored. He wants to be praised. But as a result of that, then from his original place, and and, and we're not sure when, um, we're not sure when he was cast out of his original place when this happened. Um, I tend to believe that it was shortly before um, Adam and Eve's fall, just simply because I, tr- it, through scripture, I think uh, a case can be made that Satan expected that he would be given rule over this world and was not instead God created two beings uh, man and woman created in the image of God and was given dominion over this world. Uh, I do believe that this enraged Satan and as a result it led him to insurrection uh, and, and as a result he was cast out of his original place I think there's a second reality here is that he is he is he is eventually as we see here in our text in revelation chapter 12 he's he is eventually cast out of heaven so that he can't he can't any longer accuse us he can no longer he's no longer allowed to tell to tell god all of our all of our wrongs he's no longer allowed to be a prosecutorial attorney this job is no longer he's no longer allowed to fulfill this 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 job description here in revelation chapter 12 he's just not allowed to do that the work of christ the finished work of christ ultimately silences him and then as a result in Revelation 21 through 3 we later see that he is cast into the abyss right he's cast into the uh, to this to this uh, this pit this abyss um, where uh, he is held for a thousand years and then at the end of those thousand years just like he's always done he is loosed he wages war against Christ and against God and for the final time in Revelation 20 verse 10 he is ultimately cast into the lake of fire to burn with the, with the other angels uh, forever, along with the souls of men who refuse to repent and turn to Christ. And it's amazing that Satan's judgment was ultimately secured. Where? Where was Satan's ultimate judgment secured? It was at the cross. It was at Calvary. Jesus says in the Gospels, uh, I, I have seen Satan fall like a flash of lightning and referring to the work of Christ on his cross, referring to Calvary when the Lord's in the Lord's death and his burial and ultimately his resurrection. I think um, I think ultimately in, in Hebrews chapter two, as if you if you want to turn there you can, you don't have to, but in Hebrews chapter two, there is a passage that I think is, is a very interesting passage. Um, and I think, uh, I think helps us to think about this. But in Hebrews chapter 2, and verse 14, it says this. He says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. The work of Christ. John tells us in First John as well that Christ came into the world to destroy the works of the devil in, his, in the work of Christ. In the work of Christ, Christ becomes our, our not just our atoning sacrifice, but he, come, he becomes our Christus victor, Christ our victor, He is the one, our king, who has overcome the devil. He is the one that we can look to when we're struggling with sins, when we're struggling with issues in life. We can look to him. We can look to his example. But even more than that, we can ask him to help us. We can cry out to him asking him to help us because ultimately we are fighting a defeated foe. There's an old saying. I I, I talked about this uh, Sunday night. I was was having a conversation with uh, someone else. There's an old saying in, in Eastern Kentucky and West Virginia, um, western part of the state of Virginia, it says, uh, "Snake never dies till the sun goes down." I don't know if you've ever heard this. It's a very common saying where I come from: "Snake never dies till the sun goes down." What it simply means is that a snake, even though it's dead, you can chop this thing up into millions of pieces, but if you stick your hand next to its, next to its, its mouth, it's going to get you. It's going to get you. Because even in its death, it still has the power of death. Even in death, it still has the power to inject venom into, uh, into you. And so I was always told, even if, you, even if you kill a snake, even if you chop its head off, don't go around its mouth, make sure you, you throw it over in the weeds or you bury it or whatever, because that thing can still get you. And that's the case for Satan. Satan is a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. And yet even as a defeated foe, even in his death throws. He can still inflict great pain and will inflict and does inflict great pain upon the saints of God at times, among the people of God at times. He can, he can harm us uh, by God's permission only, but yet God still does allow, even though he's a defeated enemy, we have not yet experienced that uh, in time, we have not yet experienced that that Christ has ultimately. Uh, we know Christ has ultimately overcome. We see Christ has ultimately come overcome, but there is coming a day in which we will ultimately experience that victory once and for all in the devil's ultimate demise. But then there's a there's a heavenly confession that takes place here, as as the, the as the as the heaven is itself rejoicing that. They finally they they no longer have to put up with Satan. That he's done. He's gone. He's completely cast out once and for all. Um, But but listen to the heavenly confession here. It's found in verses ten through twelve. It says this, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, "Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night." and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony or by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives to death therefore rejoice you heavens and you that dwell in them woe to you the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil is come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time and it's interesting here because as i said satan is a defeated foe and yet he still is able to bite He is still able to devour. And we see this in the Song of Heaven, um, in in their confession, their confession about God, in loud voices, singing, singing loudly, you know, praising God, right? What are they praising God for? Well, first, they're praising God for his salvation. Second, they're praising God for his strength, right, power. Third, they're praising God for his kingdom, his eternal kingdom that is coming, Um, it it goes beyond the the literal thousand-year reign, uh, earthly reign of Christ, but actually goes into all eternity of the the, the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of God that stretches throughout eternity. And then his power, they're praising God for his power. That's what they mean by authority here. And it's invested. Where is the authority invested? Notice this. Where is the authority invested? It's not in us. It's not in our confessions. Where is it? In... Christ. Period. The kingdoms of this world, we've we read earlier in Revelation, have now become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. And now again, the song of heaven is being sung. It's being sung again, that he is cast out of heaven and and that that he, is, he, who is, he who has accused our brethren, he who has, who has dishonored uh, God himself, his God, this God, his salvation has now come, and this God is now strong, and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ are now come. It's an amazing picture. It's an amazing picture. All who have opposed him will now be put down. But yet Satan is allowed for a short period of time to come down into the earth and to, to, to make war, to make war against the, the Israel of God, to make war against the people of God, to make war against God's people. And so we see here, what is his work? Well, again, it was to, uh, the work was to, uh, was to um, accuse them before the Father in the heavens. What is his work now? His work now, according to chapter uh, 12, uh, is that he is going to seek to in his wrath destroy the Israel of God. He's going to make war against the Israel of God. He is going to he's going to seek to to war against the inhabitants of this earth. But second of all, his appearance is 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 amazing, right? Because It says here in, we see earlier in the text that he is again seen as a dragon, but then all of a sudden the the scene shifts, of course the dragon is making war against God and his angels or Michael and his angels, and then all of a sudden he is referred to by the simple name of Satan, but now all of a sudden there's a shift back to his work and his appearance which is that again of a dragon. A dragon cast down, yes, a dragon thrown down to the earth, but yet a dragon who is allowed to destroy or to wreak havoc upon the earth. His rejection is clear. His rejection is clear. His rejection of God, his rejection of heaven, his rejection by God, his rejection by heaven, and ultimately we even see his rejection by the saints of God. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, what are they doing? What are the saints of God doing here? We say, well, what do you mean? Look what it says here. And when the dragon saw, verse 13, that he was cast down to the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And we'll get into that more next week, but his work is clear. Verse 11, notice this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And we're like, oh, that's so great. But then listen to this. And they love not their lives to death. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Now, wait a minute. You just said that they were victorious. Absolutely, they're victorious. Well, you just said that they overcome him by the the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Yes, absolutely, they did. But there will be many who will pay for this with their lives. There will be many who give their lives. There are many today who give their lives for the sake of the gospel. There are many today who who reject this world, and for them the world holds no value to them, and so they embrace Christ, and they love Christ, and they suffer for the sake of Christ, and they love Christ even to the point of dying for Christ. Living for Christ, as I said earlier today, living for Christ, is, it's not always easy, right? I mean, we've been so blessed in this nation. We have been so blessed as, as, as God's people living in a free nation that I fear that we, don't, we often don't take inventory as to what it's like to live as a believer in most of the rest of the world. Believers face death and persecution daily for their faith. Christians face daily the, the reality of, of 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 paying the ultimate price. Maybe not dying, but but there are many times when, because of because of Christ, they're not allowed to work, and so they and their families essentially starve to death. They they and their families are pushed out of the community into the into their into their own uh, into their own selves, and they die of all sorts of things from exposure to anything else. You know, there are all sorts of wicked things that happen to believers in Christ, and yet they love not their lives more than they have loved Christ. And this is what it's referring to here. That truly those who love Christ will choose Christ. Not of their own selves, not of their own strength, right? Not of their own power. I mean, I don't think anybody would say well, sure, why don't you just go ahead and beat me and kill my family because that sounds like great things, right? I don't think anybody's going to say that. It's a work of the Holy Spirit by which this happens. But the text boldly affirms that the brothers here overcome and find victory over Satan because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and because... Because they loved not their lives to death. In other words, they gave great proclamation to the gospel. They gave bold testimony of how Christ changed and transformed their lives and how Christ has given them victory. And as a result, they were willing to pay whatever penalty and price it cost them. They were willing to pay it. They gladly paid it because this world was not and is not our home. It was not and it is not our home. Now, there seems, and, and so let me say this, there, there, I, I've recently been exposed, and, and maybe maybe you haven't ever heard this, but, but I, have, I have recently heard more and more uh, of this idea that um, um, this world is my home, and it's the world that's the invaders, and we should fight to keep this world. No, no, that, where? 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 doesn't say anything like that in here. Now, I'm not saying we, we, we can't defend ourselves or anything. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this world really is not our home, brothers and sisters. We live for Christ wherever Christ is, wherever he is, whatever he has called us to do. We live for his glory and we live for his honor. We live for him in all areas. If we're going to be, if, if we're Americans, then as an American, we live for the glory of God. If we're whatever another nation we find ourselves in, we, we live for the glory of God in whatever nation we find ourselves in. But we live for the glory of God. We honor Christ because we know that this world is passing away. This world is passing away. If you don't believe this, go back and take a picture and, and look at a picture of yourselves 10 years ago. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be a bearer of bad news. But look at yourself 10 years ago. Man, I saw a picture of myself 10 years ago and I thought, my goodness. I look young. What happened to me? Right? I'm 43. It's like, I don't feel like I'm that old, but look at me. I'm 33 years old. My goodness. Right? Ten years pass, and we realize that this world is not our home, even more so. Why? Because the things of this world are passing away, and we live for the next one to come. We live in victory. We live from victory, but we do live for the next and certainly, I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about what happens. We should care what happens to us. We should care about what happens to brothers and sisters. We should care. Listen, I'll go so far as to say you should care about what happens in this nation. You should care. What You should love this country. We should love this country. There should not be any of uh, being afraid of that. We should love our country, and we should work for its betterment. But at the same time, realizing that this nation, as great as it is, isn't, isn't our ultimate home. It, it isn't. We should love it and we should work for its betterment, but realizing that this isn't our ultimate home. At the end of the day, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be an American. I'm going to be a believer. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to love Christ and serve Christ. And so... The, the reality is, is that, that this is going to be a great time, this time that Satan has unleashed upon the world. This is going to be a horrific time. We'll talk more about that later in the next week or two. We'll talk more about that. But, but my brothers and sisters, l- l- let me say this. God has a plan to deal uh, with Satan's rebellion, and that plan has already been accomplished. That plan is the gospel. And we are called to proclaim the gospel wherever we go we're called to preach Jesus wherever we go. We're called to make him known. We're called to to let let the let the nations know that our God has already won. And there is nothing and no one that is going to stop the kingdom of God from coming. The whole of I think secondly, the whole of the heavens I think has cause for great for great rejoicing as we do because While the snake may may still be able to strike us, in the end, he can't win. He hasn't won. He won't win. He'll never win. I think, thirdly, the world should shudder knowing satanic wrath is going to be coming. And I think, for that reason, um, for that reason, there will be a day, I think, during this time in which. Then there will be a great many who will come to faith in Christ. And that day in which there will be wrath that are being poured out by Satan, but, but even more than that by God on the judge and judging this world. There will be, I think, great, great revival among the nations as many people turn to Christ. And I think fourthly, though, ha- having these facts, you and I need to rejoice in. We need to rejoice in the finished work of Christ. We need to rejoice in the finished work of Christ. Um, Because we live in a world where people still die. Where marriages are broken. We still live in a world that is is a very wicked and tainted place. People are, are, are cruel and wicked and evil. And we as God's people are called to be salt and light of the world. To be the salt and light of the nation's. I and mean, then we, we need to proclaim the victory of Christ over the nations. We need to call sinners to repentance and faith. We need to remind ourselves that we are victors in Christ, and we have the victory in Christ. Now, notice what I said there, in Christ. Our victory is in Christ. It is not in ourselves. It's not in you or I. It is in Christ. And so let us look to Christ, let us rejoice in Christ, let us, let, us, let us pray in confidence, let us know that the victory of Christ has been purchased and has already come about, but yet is still coming. So we live in that tension of the already, but the not yet, right? This has already been purchased, this has already been fulfilled, and yet we feel the weight of the fact that it's not yet fully come. That we've not yet fully experienced it. And so babies die. Children starve. People suffer. Because of sin. And the sin that runs rampant in our world. But we look to a day in which Christ, already having overcome reveals fully once and for all His victory over sin and death and hell and the grave. And we look forward to that day and we rejoice in that day and we celebrate that day and we sing of that day and we look for that day and we preach of that day and we call people to come to Christ so that they may experience that day. Looking unto Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him despised the cross, but is now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We look to that day and we rejoice in the fulfillment of that day. So Christian, whatever you're facing, look to the victory of Christ. Look to Christ, look to his victory. And let us pray from boldness, and from that ground of victory, let's pray, Father. As we close our time, we thank you that no, no being, no being in all of creation, whether it be angelic or otherwise, has ever been able to overthrow your sovereign hand. God, matter of fact, uh, you are the one who says from heaven, "Who can stay my hand?" Who can move my hand from the left or to the to the left or to the right? Who can keep my hand from moving? Who can keep me from doing anything I want to do? Father, you 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 are that strong and that powerful. And yet, Lord, we also recognize we live in a world filled with violence and death and dread and hopelessness and and homelessness and addiction and and all sorts of vile things. And so, Lord, we look to you, who the one who is able, the one who has overcome the one who is able to cause us to overcome and we ask for your aid and your help in this world that Christ would be glorified in us and through us that we as the people of God by the power of God would not love our lives that we would rejoice with heaven that Christ is by his strength and power even now ruling and reigning though we have yet to experience the fullness of this truth so let us look to that day, let us long for that day, let us live for that day. And until then, Father, may we be good and faithful citizens of the kingdoms in which you have placed us, that we would be faithful, that we would honor Christ, and that we would, we would do everything for the glory of God, even living as citizens in this nation. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.